Hello, I'm Chris Hale, and welcome to Season 2 of the Dadcast, a podcast that provides read-alouds of short fiction, poetry, and scholarly articles to help a university student. The coffee mug is filled, breakfast cake is served, and the dogs have been walked. Let's get ready for the next episode of the Dadcast. Enjoy. The Palgrave Handbook of Race and the Arts in Education, Chapter 26, Decentering Whiteness and Undoing Racism in Art Museum Education by Merritt Dewhurst and Kiona Hendrick. Introduction. At a moment in the trajectory of the United States in which racial justice activism, inequality, and segregation are often highlighted in the news, museums are challenged to be the sites for social change. Discussing the role of the museum in social transformation, Lonnie Bunch, director of the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture, states, Our job is to be an educational institution that uses history and culture not only to look back, not only to help us understand today, but to point us towards what we can become. And yet, despite increased interest in addressing racial and cultural justice, museums are hardly exempt from the legacies of racism in our country. On the contrary, Racism thrives in all corners of museums, from curatorial decisions that often exclude artists of color and information about the racial context of objects to workplace cultures that prioritize white cultural modes of communication. Given their connections to both the past and future of the U.S., museums offer unique opportunities for interrogating the ways in which the lasting vestiges of racism shape U.S. institutions and for re-envisioning racially just possibilities for the future. As educational institutions, art museums are poised to help communities unravel white supremacist values in order to create more just and equal societies. Nowhere are the opportunities for unraveling racism in museums as great as the realm of museum education. Tasked with serving as the bridge between the museum and its public, museum educators are responsible for connecting visitors with their institution. While a heartfelt desire to engage visitors of all races may be common among many educators, racism continues to permeate this very public domain of museum work. Be it through the overt use of racist language or in subconscious assumptions about the preferences, interests, and expectations of specific racially identity groups, museum education is a site of significant racism. With extensive experience teaching in, working with, and providing professional development workshops on anti-racist education for museum education departments in a range of museums, we have encountered countless examples of racism. As a black woman and a white woman living in the United States, we have experienced these scenarios differently, and yet both of us recognize them as indicative of the persistent and pervasive nature of racism in our field. We argue that art museum educators have a responsibility to interrogate the ways white supremacy manifests in their interactions with art, audiences, and colleagues if they wish to create inclusive spaces where multiple identities are valued equitably. Doing so requires an in-depth understanding of the subtle and overt ways in which white hegemonic values pervade the field. This chapter mobilizes critical race theory known as CRT, as a useful analytical tool for examining and dismantling racism in art museum education. CRT supports 
our hopeful approach to this kind of critical analysis, as Leonardo reminds us that CRT in education is precisely the intervention that aims to halt racism by highlighting its pedagogical dimensions and affirming an equally pedagogical solution rooted in anti-racism. We turn this tool inward to look at our own field of museum education, beginning with an overview of the history of racism in art museums and the role of museum education within the fraught context. Shifting our analysis to contemporary museum education, we name and explain common examples of white dominant thinking that perpetuate racial hierarchies and systems of oppression. Through a critical analysis of these lived stories, we offer suggestions for educators to disrupt the white supremacist values in our field. Critical Race Theory and White Supremacy Since the first step of dismantling racism is naming it clearly, we employ CRT as an analytic tool to describe how racism manifests in museum education. Born out of the work of legal and education scholars, CRT is a way of analyzing social systems, interactions, attitudes, and behaviors through the lens of race. It is a tool to help us demystify a world that is steeped in racialized categories, practices, institutions, interactions, and relationships. CRT begins with the understanding that race plays a fundamental and foundational role in our society, one that perpetuates white supremacy. Every aspect of our daily lives is shaped by long-held beliefs, both conscious and not, and institutionalized codes, both intentionally created and not, that presume that white people deserve greater power and privilege than other racial identity groups. CRT can be used to help us see how racist thinking impacts our lives in micro and macro ways. As such, it is both a microscope to examine the seemingly small aggressions that shape our daily interactions, and also a telescope to show us the larger universe in which institutions, relationships, and systemic factors perpetuate white supremacy. As researchers and practitioners devoted to helping our museum education colleagues create empowering anti-racist learning experiences for all learners, we believe that CRT can provide a useful entry point to identify and discuss the nature of white supremacy in museums. In addition, we hope that by describing the ways in which racist thinking manifests itself within museum education practices, our readers will better understand how racism in art education reflects and perpetuates white supremacy beyond the museum's walls. As Gilborn asserts, this process of radical critique should not be confused with a prophecy of doom. To identify the complex and deep-rooted nature of racism is not to assume that it is inevitable or insurmountable. We believe that CRT can be both a powerful analytical tool and a space for transformation. In the analysis that follows, we rely heavily on two key elements of CRT. First, we rely on CRT's focus on the importance of counter-narratives as tools to help us recenter the conversation about race by starting with the experiences of those most negatively affected by racism. As Ladson's Billing and Tate write in their oft-quoted text on CRT and education, the voice component of critical race theory provides a way to communicate the experience and realities of the oppressed, a first step on the road to justice. In museum education, a field that relies heavily on the telling of stories about art, CRT's focus on the stories of those who experience racism offers museum educators with a familiar platform of learning about the complexity of racism. 
Second, at its heart, a CRT-based analysis integrates the two levels of racism, the individual and institutional, to help us unpack the multifaceted ways in which racist beliefs and practices seep into our personal and professional lives. In other words, we must attend to both the ways in which racism affects our daily interactions, individual, as well as the political, economic, and social systems that shape those interactions, the institutional. This is particularly important in museum education, as museums themselves are deeply complicated cultural institutions with complex historical roots and contemporary aspirations that call for thoughtful interrogation. In using CRT's focus on naming, critiquing, and honoring the stories that have long been silenced by white supremacist thinking, we have found that museum educators engaged in critical introspection on their pedagogical and daily practices may be integral to the process of transforming spaces of oppression into sites of critical consciousness where racist practices are replaced by inclusive ideologies and experiences. History of Racism in Art Museum Education Often viewed by those in positions of power and within dominant narratives as spaces that both preserve and promote social values and aesthetic innovation, museums are uniquely positioned as authoritative bodies in the arts. However, this venerated position is problematic to both those whose vested interests are represented in museums and those whose stories are excluded. For, as Sandel continues, museums are undeniably implicated in the dynamics of inequality and the power relations between different groups through their role in constructing and disseminating dominant social narratives. Like their European predecessors, U.S. museums, as well as most throughout the world, have evolved from the spoils of colonialism to serve the interests of white societies and the denigration of global communities of people of color. Critiquing these early beginnings, Kratz and Karp remind us that many of the earliest national museums developed from princely or private collections and cabinets of curiosity, with collections expanded through colonial expansion, imperial plunder, scientific exchange, and aristocratic elite industrial and state patronage. Early U.S. art museums often displayed casts of European sculptures as well as cultural objects from colonized nations within the United States and around the world, exemplifying that museum educators Ning and Ware describe as the museological practice of exhibiting the stolen heritage of humanity historically obtained through violence and oppression. Thus, U.S. museums have long promoted a view of U.S. culture that supports and promotes the subordination of non-white populations. Today, while progressive ideologies and international policies introduce more ethical considerations for acquiring and presenting artworks, many museums continue to organize artworks by geography and ethnicity, mirroring 19th century colonialist practices that centralize U.S. and European art and urge visitors to view, interpret, and critique works of art through a Western art historical framework. These frameworks and narratives do not reflect the growing racial and cultural diversity of the United States where both changing audience demographic patterns and expanding visions of racial inclusion point to the need for stories and perspectives from people of multiple racial identities. As such, the stories told and values perpetuated by most museums in the United States remain rooted in white supremacist visions of history, which negate the existence, relevance, and humanity of people of color from across the globe. Given their special role as national treasures in society, 
Preserving and reflecting the social values of the dominant culture, museums carry a certain social weight that validates the content of their exhibits and programs. However, it is important to remember that this role is built upon a deeply troubled foundation. Yet, because of their role as social and educational sites, there is hope for change. As museum scholar Stephen Weil writes, museums are quintessentially places that have the potency to change what people may know or think or feel, to affect what attitudes they may adopt or display, to influence what values they form. The emergence of museum education, as demonstrated primarily through gallery teaching at the turn of the 20th century, echoed earlier interests in art museums as sites of cultural authority as well as social cultivation and assimilation. However, over time, museum educators have acted as change agents ushering institutions toward more inclusive practices and values. Alongside the socio-political movements for the rights of oppressed peoples of the 1960s and 1970s, such as the Civil Rights Movement and the Chicano Movement, museums also experienced social transformation. During this time, several museums dedicated to celebrating the histories, culture, and artistic traditions of specific ethnic and diaspora communities were born, including the Studio Museum in Harlem in 1968, the Disabled Museum of African American History in Chicago in 1961, El Museo del Barrio in New York City in 1969, and the Mexican Museum in San Francisco in 1975. At the same time, art museum educators developed programs that catered specifically to Black, Latinx, and Asian youth in urban areas. These approaches considered the individual needs of learners as well as the cultural relevance of their museum-going experience within a broader societal context. Museum educators invited visitors, namely school children, to take an active role in their museum experience through close-looking, group discussion, art-making, and questioning, directly addressing learners' cultural and racial heritage and experiences. While some museum education programs in the United States move toward more accessible and culturally inclusive pedagogies, the field of museum education has been slow to address the intersection of institutional racism and its impact on visitors, exhibitions, and ways of learning. In recent years, mainstream media attention to the ongoing police brutality experienced by black men and women has sparked national and local discussions about the social responsibility of museums to respond to racism and social injustices. With this shift, museum educators have continued to expand their understanding of the role of museums in society, resulting in a growing interest in the potential of museums to promote or facilitate social change. In the 1990s, some museum scholars, such as Eileen Hooper-Greenhill, started to more vocally advocate for museum experiences that address long-established relations of advantage and disadvantage, to enable new voices to be heard, and critically to review existing historical and other narratives. Echoing this, museum scholar Richard Sandel argues that people in the museum field are beginning to explore the museum's impact on the lives of individuals and communities, and the role that cultural organizations are playing in tackling specific manifestations of inequality, such as racism and other forms of discrimination, poor health, crime, and unemployment. That said, there is much work to be done to start unraveling the long-established racist values that are interwoven in museums. 
These values shape both our individual experiences of museums, e.g. when we see or don't see ourselves reflected in the artworks included in a tour or audio guide, and our interactions with institutional policies, e.g. who is hired to teach, who is invited into decision-making. A close analysis of the multiple layers of racism at play within museum education reveals much work has yet to be done. Because art museums were built as monuments to white supremacy and to promote a national cultural identity that normalized whiteness and structural racism, we argue that 21st century museums that wish to serve as inclusive and culturally relevant institutions have the responsibility to understand how they play a role in either perpetuating or upending racism. Given their historical legacies and current moves toward inclusivity, Museum education practices offer ripe settings to analyze how the dominant embodiment of whiteness shapes how we view, discuss, create, and engage multiple audiences in the arts, and how we can transform this. On the so-called front lines of the intersection between museum and the public, museum educators are uniquely situated to marshal in such needed change. As Ng and Ware assert, Though museum educators have largely led the task of diversification through educational and public programming, the role of museum educators is limited. However, there are possibilities for this role to create real change within and across the institution. These windows of possibility give us much hope and fuel our belief that museum education is a prime space from which we can alter how museums can contribute to more racially just societies. According to Sandel, museums and galleries of all kinds have both the potential to contribute towards the combating of social inequality and a responsibility to do so. Tasked with connecting learners to the arts, museum educators can play a pivotal role in dismantling the systems of oppression that operate within art education, as we highlight in the next section. Identifying and Dismantling Racist Practices While museums have shifted from a focus on assimilation toward more progressive and supposedly inclusive practices, white cultural practices and premise thinking still dictates how museum educators interact with artworks, audiences, and colleagues. In this section, we offer examples from our experiences in an effort to name and explain common manifestations of white dominant thinking that perpetuate racial hierarchies and systems of oppression. From questionable artwork selection, the denial of culturally relevant curriculum, Silent stories of racial violence and unspoken hiring codes, it is clear that the impact of cultural colonization and white supremacist values thrives. Undoing racism will require active resistance because the racialized social system is embedded in all decisions that educators make. Nothing short of a concerted, self-conscious intervention would alter the state of affairs. To support museum educators as agents of racial justice requires a deeper understanding of the subtle and overt ways in which white hegemonic values pervade the field. We turn to CRT's focus on analyzing stories as interpretive structures by which we impose order on experience and it on us. In doing so, we offer six common examples of white supremacist values that we have encountered in our interactions with works of art with audiences, and with institutions within the field of museum education. In telling and analyzing the racial dimensions of these stories, we articulate both how and why each experience serves white power. This analysis also follows the CRT practice of examining the microaggressions, those subtle, stunning, often automatic, and nonverbal exchanges which are put down to blacks by offenders that perpetuate racism in society. 
We hope that in naming clearly why each story exemplifies racism in our line of work, our readers will gain tools to look critically at their own daily practices. In dissecting instances that preserve existing racial hierarchies, we offer alternatives that disrupt those hierarchies, opening opportunities for a vision of museum education that is rooted in critical anti-racist pedagogies and possibilities. Interactions with works of art. The ways in which museum educators choose artworks, contextualize them, and connect them to viewers' experiences are fundamental to the practice of museum education. While works of art are often discussed as inanimate objects, as museum educators we know that they are infused with the lived experiences of real people, places, and moments in time. As such, it is certain that they are also sites for critical analysis of the ways in which race shapes our interpretations and descriptions of art. Object Selection While many museum educators may describe the joy of hearing multiple interpretations of a work of art from visitors engaged in inquiry-based discussions, there is often an assumption by many museum educators and audiences that the artworks on view preclude any discussion of race, racism, or even identity. For example, we have both heard many white museum educators claim that because the museum's collection doesn't have artwork by artists of color or artwork that deals explicitly with race, it is not possible to teach about racial identity. Leaving aside the conversation about museum acquisition practices, this comment reflects two common misconceptions. One, that only people of color are raced people, leaving whiteness as unrelated to the concept of race. And two, that only artists of color can create artwork about racial identity, and conversely, that artists of color only make work about race. CRT theorists remind us that while race is a social construction, it is equally important to note that its consequences are as real as gravity. Certainly, every person, regardless of his or her racial identity, is shaped by a legacy of racial labels and hierarchies. When museum educators claim that only artworks by artists of color deal with race, they are perpetuating the idea that white people need not be involved with, should not be concerned about, and are not even affected by racism. As such, it limits any discussion of race as only for those identified as non-white, perpetuating the otherness of those who identify as non-white. This further exacerbates the silence that white people all too often hide behind as a way of avoiding discussions about racial injustice. In doing so, it also puts the onus for any conversation about activism about racial justice solely upon the shoulders of people of color. In applying the CRT tenet that we are all affected by the legacy of racial inequality in our country, we argue that any artwork can serve as an entry point for talking about race, identity, and racism. By using artworks to tell inclusive and multifaceted stories, museum educators can potentially subvert the belief that only certain objects can pertain to certain people or topics. Relying on well-crafted inquiry questions, museum educators can encourage audiences to talk directly about how racial identities are shaped by power, privilege, history, and context. For example, they might urge audiences to consider how their own racial identity shapes their interpretation of a work of art, or what stories are missing from the ones they identify in the work of art and why. In doing so, Educators can normalize race talk while also using the discussion as a way of critically reflecting on how our racial identities and racialized experiences shape how we each see and make sense of works of art. 
through such concerted efforts to speak critically about the intersections between power and race when teaching about any artwork, educators can open up opportunities for museums to tell more nuanced and multifaceted stories of the objects in their collections. Contextual information. When teaching from artworks, museum educators make countless split-second decisions about what questions to ask, when to introduce an activity, who to encourage to share, and what information they will tell their audience about the artwork and artist. Oftentimes, we have witnessed how museum educators rely heavily on the interpretive art historical information provided by curators and artists. However, typically this text, and therefore the information educators share, does not include information about the racial identity of the artist unless he or she is not white and rarely addresses the role of race in the story of an object. Therefore, the racism contained in the history and context of some objects, e.g. perhaps an object was acquired by colonial theft or was selected for exhibition to tell a limited version of history, remains invisible and uninterrogated. Without contextual information, that discusses the racial landscape of an object, we lose opportunities to talk about how racism shapes how we see and experience the world. For example, without contextual information about how objects are categorized or described, we lose the chance to examine how objects can reveal truths about racism in our nation's history and present. Even the seemingly simple slight of not naming an artist's racial identity, except when he or she is not white, perpetuates white supremacist thinking and further supports the idea of art as white property. This reveals a power structure in which the idea of whiteness is normalized and not accessible for discussion, analysis, or interrogation. Contextual information is a critical component of providing audiences with the tools to access the layered stories and meanings in works of art. When we fail to provide information about the racialized context, we reinforce the belief that it does not matter, or worse, that it only matters when the artwork is by an artist of color. We encourage educators to strive for consistency and intentionality in talking about the racial identities of each artist they teach about. In addition, we suggest that educators incorporate research about the racial context of a work of art into their regular teaching preparation. In doing so, they could tell about the provenance of the artwork, its connections to histories of racism, or the ways in which it might be analyzed through a critical race lens. As they strive to tell the stories that are regularly missing from the conventional museum contextual information, museum educators should prioritize the often untold stories of race, racism, and identity that surrounds works of art and the artists who created them. Interactions with audiences. Many museum educators come to their work with a strong belief in the importance of creating accessible opportunities for all audiences to engage with art. Despite their enthusiasm for connecting viewers to artworks, these educators stumble when it comes to navigating racial hierarchies, assumptions, and biases in their teaching. The following examples describe these common microaggressions, the small and subtle, everyday racist actions, slights, negligences, or comments that perpetuate racism and white supremacy in our interactions with the public. Assumptions about audiences. A central component of museum education is the responsibility to know one's audience in order to create experiences that are relevant and meaningful to visitors. 
In a world where racism prevents many people from developing sustained cross-cultural relationships, museum educators, many of whom are part-time, contractual, or even unpaid educators, and most of whom are white, too often rely on assumptions about racial groups, including their own, when creating their programs and lesson plans. These biases, steeped in racial stereotypes, undermine the aim of empowering visitors, particularly visitors of color. Examples of such assumptions are evident in the comments educators make to visitors and among colleagues when preparing for or debriefing programs. We have heard well-meaning colleagues suggest to young black learners that they will definitely love Kehinde Wiley's portraits simply because he's a black artist. This kind of microaggression perpetuates a limited view of what learners of color are capable of or interested in, thereby cutting off opportunities for learning. Conversely, we've heard museum educators describe their decisions not to take predominantly white audiences to see works by artists such as McKellen Thomas or Carol Walker because they believe they will not be interested or that the work is too focused on black culture. Making assumptions about what audiences want to see or will feel comfortable with grossly undermines the educational potential of museums as spaces for social transformation. Despite the fact that such decisions are often made in an attempt to connect with visitors, we are reminded of Ladson's Billings and Tate's statement that most oppression does not seem like oppression to the perpetrator. In selecting artworks by artists of color only for tours about identity and or audiences composed of people of color, or presuming white audiences won't be interested in artwork about racial identity, museum educators unwittingly undermine opportunities for learning by predetermining what has meaning for each visitor based on their perception of the visitor's racial identity. Designing programs in response to false assumptions limits the learning possibilities for all visitors. We urge museum educators to speak with the visitors of color they serve in order to learn about visitors' expectations and intentions for the museum visit. While we do not wish to burden visitors of color with the responsibility of doing anti-racist work of teaching museum practitioners about race and racism, we believe that if museum staff are to be accountable for dismantling racism in their work, then listening to the needs, interests, and ideas of people of color is essential. We stress that these conversations should provide opportunities to talk with, not to, audiences about how the museum can support learning. In coming to such conversations with an openness to learn from audience members, educators gain an opportunity to build relationships with people of multiple racial identities that can play a role in challenging racial biases. Educators should use these discussions to bring up racial justice as one of the key priorities of the museum engagement, thereby normalizing the potential for talking about race from the beginning. To miss this opportunity is to fall into patterns of white silence and white fragility that serve to perpetuate the status quo of white supremacist thinking by denying even the acknowledgement of the existence of race as a social construction that affects us all. To initiate these conversations, we encourage museum educators to regularly reflect on their initial assumptions by asking themselves what those assumptions were, why they exist, and what they might do to counter them. Finally, museum educators can support colleagues by constantly reflecting on and discussing the biases that undergird the programs they design in an effort to create programs that are not built on race-based assumptions. Neutrality and silence. 
Despite an emphasis on interactive discussion, perhaps one of the most frustrating examples of racism is the silence around race and related topics. And yet, as practitioners in museums ourselves who regularly facilitate workshops on racism in museums, we have heard countless excuses for these silences, from logistical to the philosophical. Because of the fleeting nature of many museum education programs, many excuses center on time limits based on the perception that it is too hard to address a complex issue like race in a one-hour visit. Other museum educators emphasize the audience's objectives. For instance, when the teacher gives them a list of the artworks and topics they want to discuss, some educators describe a desire to stick to their ideas about artists' intentions when talking about works of art, believing, for instance, that if the artist doesn't mention race or identity in their work, then it's not their responsibility to do so. Similarly, we have heard educators rely on learner-centered education as a false explanation for their avoidance of race talk, questioning why they should introduce the idea of race if their audiences don't initiate it first. A number of educators we've encountered, particularly white educators, are interested in trying to talk about race, but express a fear that they don't know how to talk about race in relation to works of art, or as white people, they don't think it's their place to talk about race. In addition, many museum educators express a desire to remain neutral so as not to push an agenda with their audiences. Leaning heavily on constructivist approaches to museum education, such educators claim that they are tasked with creating open spaces for visitors to bring up what they see in work of art, not to, dis to dictate what visitors should see. These ideas that we have heard from colleagues in museum education point to several problematic assumptions about talking about race. One, conversations about race are always heavy and all-encompassing. Two, audiences don't want to talk about race. Three, race is only relevant in specific instances. Four, race can only be talked about by people of color and or trained white people. And five, race is attached to a political agenda that has no place in a museum. These false assumptions trap too many educators in a dangerous paralysis of choosing neutrality since avoidance is actually a decision to maintain a status quo that supports white supremacy. Undoing racism takes work. Doing nothing affirmative against racism is a default action contributing to its survival, just as a moving object in space moves in the same direction without a deliberate force to counter it. We urge museum educators to commit to talking about race with honesty, compassion, and openness. Because silence is a form of complicity, it is imperative that educators find ways to talk about race. That said, we also caution that educators should pair their commitment to talking about race with focused research and professional development about effective strategies for facilitating reflective anti-racist pedagogy. As Arthur Hendrick and fellow museum curator Crum write, when educators lack cultural consciousness, particularly around how our racial identities intersect with cultural practices, they risk perpetuating superficial cultural narratives, limiting opportunities for critical thinking, and preventing self-actualizing experiences for learners. In other words, without a critical analysis of how racism affects our daily lives, Educators may perpetuate racist expectations of learners and remain stuck at surface-level analysis of identity. 
to develop their skills and confidence in talking about race, we encourage museum educators to seek out research, professional development opportunities, and collegial relationships that are intentionally dedicated to racial justice education, i.e. anti-racist reading or discussion groups, professional development workshops. If we make critical race awareness central to our daily practice as researching artist information or fine-tuning inquiry questions, we will move from neutrality to agency in our efforts to dismantle racism in museum education. Interaction with institutions. As CRT reminds us, institutions are racialized because they are embedded in a racial predicament, which they reinforce and help reproduce. And museums are no exception. Moving from the daily interactions with artwork and audiences, an analysis of our interaction with the larger institution within which we work highlights the pervasive nature of racism in our field. Current reports indicate that museum staff are typically 80% white, despite people of color comprising more than 30% of the U.S. population. We often hear predominantly white colleagues from diverse art museums comment on the difficulty they face in trying to find qualified candidates of color when hiring museum education staff. When standards of quality are defined by the largely white managing bodies museums, those standards typically reflect white values, modes of success, codes of communication, and cultural forms of knowledge. Furthermore, this sentiment harkens to the disturbing stereotype that people of color are inherently less intelligent and less capable of fulfilling academic leadership roles, communicated by implying that the candidates of color are not qualified. This dismissal of the qualifications of applicants of color causes us to question the standards by which applicants of color are being measured. An obvious example of this is in museums' reliance on academic degrees in fields that have long struggled to support students of color. As Eng and Ware assert, traditional academic disciplines related to museum careers include art history, history, sciences, anthropology, and various humanities. The problem of recruiting staff from those traditional academic disciplines begins to get complicated when a lack of diversity within university settings means that these disciplines continue to struggle to attract racialized and indigenous people. Such narrow recruiting strategies lead us to question hiring managers' commitment in creating racial diversity on staff and their approaches to doing so. Hiring practices. We recommend that hiring managers consider why and how they seek applicants of color for museum education positions prior to the recruitment process. Our experiences mentoring and advising emerging educators has revealed that just as some Black, Latinx, and Asian community members choose not to visit museums because they do not feel welcomed or see their cultural experiences reflected in the museums, some educators choose not to apply to positions at institutions where they believe they will encounter racism more frequently. Given this, educators may consider how the language of the position, description, and reputation of the institution may hinder potential candidates from applying. We advise hiring managers to be intentional about staff diversity by seeking out applicants from traditional and non-traditional spaces, including public universities, historically black colleges and universities, and community and youth development centers. Thinking beyond traditional academic qualifications and considering lived experiences that translate to the art museum may offer art museum education leaders an opportunity to develop a diverse staff whose interests and experiences allow equally diverse visitors to connect with the artworks in a number of ways. Finally, when it comes to advertising positions, 
Art museum educators of color have organized various networks to garner professional and social support for their work in the field. These in-person and social media-based networks, i.e. LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, can be useful avenues for job recruiting. Professional development. Hiring managers must also understand that hiring a person of color is only the first step in creating racial inclusion within the art museum. When presenting at conferences and professional development sessions, we are often asked how to ensure that Black, Asian, and Latinx educators are comfortable at the museum. We are also often asked how best to deal with colleagues when they don't realize that what they do is racist. These questions reflect a need for racial diversity training as professional development in art museums. With the understanding that neither art museums nor educators are neutral in their practice and decision-making, the lack of professional development about race and racism for museum educators shows that dismantling racism in the museum education is not yet a priority. Providing ongoing professional development to educators is essential to maintaining an environment where educators and learners are affirmed and can thrive. If museums seek to be relevant to an increasingly racially diverse society, then they must provide educators and other staff with tools to critically discuss and interrogate race in and through artwork. Without these tools and ongoing training, art museum educators run their risk of perpetuating white supremacy through racist and marginalizing actions. We recommend that museum leaders establish action plans for building racial equality, both personally and institutionally, that may be implemented over time for art museum educators at various career levels. A number of resources, trainings, publications, syllabi, and videos focusing on diversity and racial justice education are available to educators at no or low cost. Educators might start monthly reading groups within their institutions to read, watch, and discuss how to apply racial justice practices in their own work. Such engagement enables art museum educators to consider other narratives and perspectives in an attempt to challenge their existing values. As Ng and Ware remind us, anti-oppression training, cultural competency workshops, and diversity and inclusion policies aim to increase internal awareness of both the history and marginalization implicit in museums and dem demonstrate how museum personnel can affect change in their work with visitors, collections, and each other. Conclusion. In the past two years in professional conferences, workshops, and social media platforms, we have witnessed a new wave of interest in talking about the role of museums in addressing our country's deep-seated racism. You may see examples like www.inclusium.org, www.museumsandrace.org, or hashtag museum responded to Ferguson. Certainly, this highlights a hopeful desire and explicit need for these conversations. However, the legacy of racism in art museums and across the country continues to permeate interpersonal exchanges and institutional policies, influencing museum educators' interactions with visitors, objects, and colleagues. Dismantling this is not simple work. It will take a concerted and sustained effort to critically analyze how we perpetuate white supremacist thinking in all areas of museum education. And yet, as our own experiences in the field have proven, a growing number of museum educators we have spoken with recently are eager to rise to the challenge and hungry for the tools with which to do so. 
it is our hope that through a commitment to ongoing critical reflection and action about how racism infiltrates our interactions with art, audiences, and institutions, our readers will be able to lead efforts for racial justice in museums. Just as scholars of CRT argue for a theory of a new society through the total emancipation of society as the liberation from racism and other forms of oppression, we argue here that museum education is poised for a liberated, anti-racist approach to teaching audiences of diverse backgrounds. Such a transformation could finally start to move museums to be sites for social change and democratic practices. Thanks for listening to this episode. Don't forget to check the actual text for notes and additional information and graphics. And remember, every day is a learning day.